Hello and welcome to Successful Student Transitions, A Time to Thrive. I'm Louise Wiles and I co-host this podcast with Elizabeth Gillies. Our aim is to support young people as they step out of school, college and home life and into a more independent lifestyle at university or the world of work. This podcast series aims to guide students through the ups and downs of this transition period, whether it's preparing to move, arriving and settling, making friends, or dealing with the challenges that come with independent living and studying. And today I am delighted to welcome not one, but three guests as we focus on the transition and experience of university life. So all three of my guests, Amy, Kerry and Laura, work to support students in various ways at the University of Bristol. So I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you. So please, Kerry, would you like to start us off? Hi, Louise. Thanks so much for having us. Um, my name is Kerry and I work at the Student Wellbeing Service at university, um, supporting students with their mental health and wellbeing and um, helping them through perhaps more tricky times at university. Brilliant. Thank you, Kerry. Laura. Hello. Um, thanks for having us. I'm Laura. Uh, I work in the Inclusive Communities team. We run a series of events um, for students living in residences um, and during vacation periods outside of residences to help students feel at home at university, have an opportunity to make connections with other students, build communities and hopefully feel a greater sense of belonging in their time at uni. Brilliant. I'm all for communities. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. And so finally... Amy. Hi, hello. Um, my name's Amy. I'm a senior tutor at the University in the Faculty of Arts. And my role is a bit of a funny one. I kind of sit between um, well-being and support services and the academic side of things. So I'm technically an academic, but my whole role is around supporting students who are experiencing any sort of barriers to engagement or assessment or anything that's getting in the way of their learning and them doing what they want to do that's my role brilliant great well lovely wide diverse range of experiences there so this should make for a really interesting conversation now as we record this episode on January 11th 2024 many students are going to be returning to university after some time away some will no doubt be hot-footing it back <laughs> away from perhaps the nagging parents or just have too much time at home and ready for their independent lifestyle again. Others, I guess, will be feeling a bit more tentative depending on how, particularly for the first-year students, that first term has gone. So I thought it might be a nice place to start because just before Christmas on the podcast, the last eight weeks before before Christmas, we ran a series called Lean Into Student Life, which was for first year students, um, giving some tips and advice on how to sort of start university life and um, and hopefully thrive in this experience. So thinking particularly about those first year students now, and then we'll broaden out the conversations, you know, thinking about them coming back now, if you were talking to them and some of them are feeling tentative and a bit uncertain, what would you have to say to them? What challenges do you see them experiencing? And what would you have to say to them to help them settle back in? I think it's it would be really normal to feel apprehensive about coming back to university at this time of year, especially in your first year. You don't have that same excitement and shine that you might have experienced at the end of summer coming to university for the first time in September. So the kind of momentum and adrenaline of all that kind of like firsts is kind of worn off, but you've still got that 
kind of time of kind of coming back to university and and getting into that self-motivation and I guess probably at this time of year that's something that we see quite a lot of students struggling with that sense of motivation and self-starting without the kind of additional adrenaline and excitement of, of it all being new so yeah that that might be one of the things that that students kind of experience um it's also winter it's a really rubbish time of year isn't it and you know we're we're natural beings and and the winter is not a time when nature is kind of going for it and being really productive you know our our we're being called to kind of retreat and rest and hibernate but actually what we need to be doing is kind of like doing the opposite so what the way that we talk to students about kind of managing that is is kind of thinking about motivation as almost like that snowball effect it's not a bolt of lightning that comes out of nowhere it's something that's kind of self-starting um but you can start small and it's accumulative so if you can identify just perhaps one hook, one little thing that you're looking forward to, or one little thing that can kind of tempt you out of bed on that cold morning when you're feeling like you could really stay under the covers, if you can identify that one little thing to get you going, actually that often snowballs into the next thing and the next thing. And, you know, for students who might be living with depression or like seasonal affective disorder or something a bit more significant than the kind of average lack of motivation at this time of year um I'd say start really small so you know a student that I work with talked about you know going for a walk and just going for the walk but giving herself permission to go back to bed afterwards if she needed to but actually once she was out and about she was halfway to university anyway so she might as well have kept going and she went on to, to the library and so on but if just going for a walk feels like a big deal then maybe make it just get up and brush your teeth or just get up and make yourself a nice hot drink or make it something that you'd be tempted to do and, and let that snowball effect kind of take take effect, I guess. Yeah, well, any any other thoughts? <laughs> Laura, yeah. To, to step in. Um, just a reminder that, that everyone is in the same boat and I think that there is always this kind of comparison um, culture especially on social media where we can very much look at other people's Instagram pages or their TikToks and think that actually everyone's having a really great time but we only post our our most positive our happiest times on social media and that's always worth kind of bearing in mind. Something that we see really commonly at this time of year is that students feel that if they haven't found their people or their community or their network yet, that they feel that that opportunity has almost passed by. Um, we're outside of the kind of um, university welcome period and people feel that friendship groups are very kind of set in stone at this point. I would always encourage students to um get involved in events, potentially find societies where they have common interests with other students. It's never too late to join these different events and to meet new people. But I think people can feel very much like that that window has closed when they're coming back after the winter break. And it's just really important to know that there are still so many opportunities out there, whether that's through flatmates, academic friends, through kind of courses, um, or through kind of shared interests through societies, or other kind of activities that are going on within the residences. Fantastic. Amy, anything to add? 
Yeah, I wanted to um, pick up on something that Kerry said. Um, I think Kerry said it's about giving yourself permission to do what's right for you. I think that's such an important and, and really key idea to bring into into the second term uh, in January. Fatigue is really setting in at this point. It's, it's People have hit the ground at a bit of a sprint in the first term. And, you know, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint to coin the cliche, but it's if you if you did set off kind of a fast pace, this is when it really starts to tell and you start to wonder whether you're even going to make it academically to the end of the year. And I'd say giving yourself permission firstly to feel like that and secondly to have time off is really important. And a way to do that is to plan to have time off. So as soon as your deadlines are published, write those in your planner, your calendar, your diary, whatever it is that you use to plan your time. Work back from those deadlines to figure out when you need to start, how early you need to start working on those uh, assessments or presentation, whatever it happens to be. And then within that structure, give yourself some time off. If you can't see the possibility of any time off, that's when you need to reach out for help because you should be able to have some time off as well as study. The idea isn't to fill every minute of every day with study. But by having a plan, you're giving yourself permission to have downtime. So I guess having time off but worrying about work isn't time off. So you need to have that time that's been allotted for you to have time off and then if a, if a stress or an anxiety comes into your head about work you can remind yourself and your anxious brain that no there is time you plan for it you know when you're going to do that so you can just switch off entirely in that moment so yeah leave gaps leave gaps around your study and plan to leave gaps that also means you can adjust to how you're feeling in the morning so if you are having one of those days um, that Kerry mentioned where things are really difficult you and you were due to do some studying on that day then you can shift it into one of the gaps that you've left and and give yourself the time off when you need it. Yeah, it sounds like there's quite a lot of sort of self-compassion needed at this time of year. Absolutely. It's certainly for myself personally. Absolutely. <laughs> in the dark mornings, it's like that. <laughs> and sort of gentle introduction. And I think it's a really positive message from, from Laura there about, you know, if your friendships aren't established, mm. I think that's often a massive panic for students at this point. You know, I haven't got my best friend, but we've just been doing some student interviews and one of the old guys is just was saying exactly that. You know, I have a range of friends and they're scattered all over you know and, and they don't there's no, no sort of unifying connection between them and that's quite a different way of having friendships compared to my school life type of friendships which are much more close-knit so it's getting used to the difference I guess but also recognizing that you know relationships are made and formed in so many different ways and the opportunities are there yeah absolutely just just to pick up on that as well, I think that's where planning can be really important as well. Friendships don't always happen just because, just naturally. So you might have to actually set goals around that. So it might be, you know, in week three, I'm going to go to this particular event or this particular group. Or if you if you set a goal around it, um, a specific goal with a specific kind of time for completion, then you're much more likely to do a thing rather than it being a vague idea in the back of your head that never quite materialises. That just makes you feel guilty and that's no fun. So planning to do it at a certain point, yeah, just means that you're more likely to to do that thing. Yeah, yeah. Laura? I think it can be... So often students can forget about the network that they already have before coming to university and that's um, something to to not forget about in this time it's it's really easy to connect with people virtually whether that's kind of I've 
heard of friends and family kind of sitting down and and watching TV series together whilst they're on FaceTime Mm -hmm. with each other and feeling like they're at home and having that familiarity Um, or whether it's kind of you're both kind of cooking dinner and you're kind of effectively having having dinner together or a cup of tea like it's really important to schedule in that time so that you can still have that kind of sense of connection with people that know you really well that you have those pre-existing relationships with because making new relationships take time and and you need that kind of familiarity and that comfort from people who know you really well also kind of on the flip side making sure that you've got some face-to-face time kind of booked in with those people just knowing that that is in there even if that's kind of months ahead of time gives you something to look forward to and can really feel like the thing that's kind of motivating you and and keeping you going until you kind of reach that time so whether that's kind of going to visit people or people visiting you can just be really really helpful Another thing to kind of like consider when if if you're somebody who's a bit anxious about making friends and building new connections, I think building goals around that and setting time aside is really important. Um, but they don't have to be big things to start off with. It can be quite intimidating, perhaps, to attend an event on your own. You know, no matter how welcoming and and um, and easy that that's made. But but one thing that I might talk to students about is like bolting on activities to what you're already doing. So perhaps if you've got somebody that you often sit next next to in a lecture, asking if they want to go for a walk for five minutes afterwards or walk the long way home with your flatmates or um, asking somebody if they just want to go for a coffee or pop to the shops together after a lecture so using things structure that's already there but trying to find ways to kind of like bolt on a bit of social time that doesn't feel like that awkward thing of do you want to be my friend (laughs) but you can do that really organically and it's it's not such a big thing and for those introverts out there I see you it's not a big deal going to meet lots of new people you can kind of like cherry pick like one or two people that feel safe and approachable um, and and choose a short amount of time, a short activity to to try out just so that you can start incrementally building those those connections. Mm, Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So it's like kind of nudging everything just slightly forward. Yeah, rather than massive activities going on. Brilliant. So this time of year, depending on the uni, depending on the course, First year students may be coming back to sit some exams for the first time and second, third years also. So should we have a little chat about exams and perhaps some of the challenges that you come across regularly that students are facing and yeah, some suggestions and approaches as well from you? Shall I go first as a sort of academic representative? Yes, it is very common to be worried about assessments, of course. It's it's you're being judged on your performance and that's and that's never a nice thing. The thing to remember is that most universities and certainly at, at our university, the first year is either zero weighted, as in it doesn't count at all the mark doesn't count at all for your degree, or it's very low weighted. And there's a good reason for that. And that reason is that this is your opportunity to find out who you are as an academic, to find out how you work, what's interesting to you, what strategies and techniques work for you, especially when there's such a change often from college or school or previous education experience. There's such a change when you come to university. We recognise that. And that's why we have this kind of year where you can adapt and year where you can find out what works for you. So... I guess what I'm saying is these exams are a chance for you 
to find out how you're doing. Yes, it's a chance for your tutors to assess you so that they can find out how you're doing. But that is with the aim of developing you and helping you to feel more comfortable and improve ready for second year. So go into these exams or assessments in the spirit of um, curiosity to find out to find out how you're doing, to find out whether what you're doing is working. If you come up with great results, fantastic, well done you, you don't need to change anything particularly, just keep building on feedback and moving forwards. If your results aren't quite where you want it to be, then almost even better because that gives you something to work on. That gives you areas in which you can set goals and you don't have to do that on your own. You've got feedback from your tutors. You've got personal tutors. In our university, you've got senior tutors, study skills advisors, all sorts of people who whose entire role, entire job is there to help you to improve academically. So, yeah, I think my main my main message to students at this time of year in year one is just be curious. It's you're investigating, you're finding out, and this is your first opportunity to do that. Lovely word for the for the rest of the year, I guess. Curiosity. And yeah, and, and the whole degree. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Kerry, have you got something to add there? Um, yeah, I guess it's worth students being mindful that there's one of the things that we see quite a lot of amongst our student population um, is perfectionism. And a real kind of sense of people's self-esteem being tied to their academic capabilities. And there's a big disconnect between how work is assessed at school level and how work is assessed at university. Um, And that can feel like a real shift that students aren't necessarily prepared for when they come. So students who might have been getting kind of your eights and your nines, that's your A's and your A stars to people who are over like... 40. Um, <laughs> um, students who've been high performing perhaps academically in their school life, when they get to university and they're getting their 70s or 80%, it feels like a gut punch. But at a university level standard, that's an incredible achievement. You know, you're not meant to be getting 100% at, at university level. Um, and so perhaps understanding that shift mm. and, and being prepared for it and adjusting that mindset slightly um, can be helpful so that um, you're moving away from this sense of um, you know not feeling good enough because you're getting these exceptional grades but because they don't quite compare with the marking system which isn't you know about anybody's capabilities at all. I'm so glad you brought that up okay that's so important like, uh, particularly in arts I cannot remember the last time I saw a mark above 80 in arts so what we what we normally see are 50s 60s very rarely 70s so 60s we would call it but that's equivalent to an A or an 8 <laughs> in uh, current lingo so yeah students can be horrified at getting a 59 or a 60 but that is not a poor mark at all it's where we'd want them to be in year one so that's so important so thanks for bringing that up yeah yeah and I guess that you know this is their first year in this kind of environment of independent learning you're not being kind of spoon-fed in the same way that you are for for Mm. A-levels so there's so much to learn about learning and researching and putting together the work that you're being required to put together but to have perhaps to have the expectations of 80% just yeah it's about realigning those expectations as well yeah absolutely very good points yeah yeah um 
Okay, and so exams and anything else you want to say about exams and studies, gen- so academic sort of challenges generally. So we were talking about exams there, mm. but sort of academics, I started talking about independent learning and learning to yeah. learn independently. Is there anything and that, that really is the key sort of challenge for year one students. That's that's the main difference, like you said, between, between school, college and, and university. The main issues that I help students with are things like prioritising, so trying to work out what it is that you should do first. You can't possibly do all the work that's set, which is also different from A-level. It, it's not here is the work, do the work, hand it in. It's here is some work that you could do, choose, and then I will help you with the thing that you've chosen. So if you're faced with a reading list of 30 books for one of your six units, the expectation absolutely is not that you should read all of those 30 books, but trying to decide for yourself, having not read any of those books, which are the most important, which are going to be the most helpful for you, is really difficult. And that's a skill that the first year is there to help you develop. But again, you don't need to do this on your own. Um, There are study skills advisors, personal tutors, your tutors that are teaching you in the classroom are always happy to help with this sort of thing. So seek support, seek seek that sort of scaffolding until you feel more confident in doing it on your own. That's, that's a completely reasonable thing to ask for help with. I think the other thing that quite often comes up is workload on a similar sort of note. You do you normally are juggling maybe three or four units at once. And each of those unit tutors seems to be under the impression that theirs is the only unit that exists in the world. So... Uh, yeah, trying to do all of the work set for each of those units all at the same time is not possible. So it's kind of recognising that, accepting that, and then seeking support and working out which bits you should be doing and when. Helpful advice. And I love the reference to going and asking for help. And because I, I think perhaps sometimes from what I hear from some students that, you know, that they're, they're not quite, they're going to ask, they don't ask for help when perhaps yeah. they need it. And, Absolutely. Um, they feel like they should be able to do it on their own um but they why should they you know they've never done this before so asking for help is is welcomed (laughs) that's what we want them to do yeah yeah and recognizing that it is a new skill and that you're learning how to do something in quite a different way great okay so moving away from academics unless there's anything else anyone else wants to add no okay so thinking more broadly about the challenges that come up for students we talked a bit about friendships at the beginning and you know the, the, the first years anyway continuing to make friendships I think one of the things that I've heard and seen written about student life is that sometimes people can feel a bit lonely to feel that they're not really belonging so I wonder if there's some tips and advice that you can share around getting more involved in community I know Laura that's a really good part of be part of your role so I don't know whether you want to take that question first (laughs) yeah sure so there's always lots going on um, at a university and and particularly I can speak for the university that that we work at and it can be quite difficult to kind of navigate exactly what's going on and know what's going on at any kind of given time it's really good to go and try things whether that's with a flatmate or with somebody who you've already made a connection with and find out more about kind of other things that are going on within the university often by kind of going to something that maybe sounds mildly attractive could kind of lead to finding out about other opportunities that 
feel kind of more attractive to you. A lot of these events and opportunities are often led by uh, student staff. So it's a really good opportunity to engage with students who are often maybe not in their first year, but have some lived experience of maybe some of the things that that you are experiencing as, as a first year student. And just being able to kind of run that through with, with somebody who has been through that and get some hints and tips and and just to be able to kind of have that recognition that 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 is a very common part of of student life. I think there is a lot of value in building your community. But outside of that, in terms of kind of feeling comfortable, I think there's things that that you can do to help kind of boost your own well-being and general kind of feeling around um isolation so if that step into kind of trying something new or going to an event feels too much there are some really kind of small things that you can do in a kind of more isolated way that may help you to feel more connected at university so simple things about kind of your your room how does that look does it need a good tidy? Does it feel homely? Are there things that you could do, like kind of bringing photographs of, of happy memories or people that mean things to you um, into that space or getting yourself a nice cosy blanket? All of those kind of small steps can really help you work towards building the confidence and building, building yourself up to maybe take what feels like a bit of a leap of faith into trying a society or trying an event. So sometimes it's very much about taking these small steps and building yourself up to meeting someone new. I feel like I babbled a lot there, but. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think you're absolutely right. Because, you know, for some people, yeah, arriving at a new, an event is quite a comfortable thing for other people it does take quite a bit to build yourself up I guess finding someone who's going along too and yeah joining them um I think for my daughter there was a lot that happened on I guess it was it was it Instagram I guess in the first term you know and it was kind of spotting who's doing what and then just going oh can I come with you and it kind of built these groups that um, would do things together and things changed as well but it was an easy way to sort of join something without having physically to go up and say first of all can I come and join you 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 could do it on Instagram if they said no well it didn't matter so much because it was online yeah there's also like lots of opportunities in kind of even just making your flatmate a cup of tea can be like a really nice kind of little conversation starter Um, you're in the kitchen, you're making a cup of tea anyway, just making someone else a cup of tea not only kind of makes you feel good, makes that person feel really good, but also can be a really easy way to just start a really casual conversation or what you up to later or thinking about going to try this thing or I've noticed that you started going to yoga and I really want to get into going to yoga can I come with you and it just can just really kind of break the ice and start that conversation in a way that feels hopefully less intimidating things like baking always go down really really well if that's something that you enjoy doing so if you're feeling quite isolated in your flat and you're not feeling that you're kind of interacting with other people something like baking or cooking and maybe that's a how lovely that somebody's kind of knocking on your door and offering you a freshly baked 
biscuit or piece of cake or or whatever that is um can be can make that conversation starter just a little bit more comfortable sometimes yeah and I bet that smell of baking attracts people from other <laughs> flats as well too <laughs> it suddenly become the focus <laughs> for the afternoon or evening I think doing things together in general is a really great way to connect with people if you're a bit anxious because you don't have to fill every silence you know if you're I don't know, doing a craft together or if you're cooking together even, you know, you don't have to fill those kind of awkward silences. You're not in that situation of kind of like sitting face to face and having that kind of pressure of eye contact and and all of those things. If you've got something else going on, um, that's why kind of events, um, you know, like like craft events and and things like that, that um, I know we do quite a bit of in different pockets can be really great. But yeah, you could definitely emanate that within your, you know, smaller community in terms of um, if you're at home, you know, if you're going to bake for for your flatmates, go one step further and ask if somebody wants to help, you know, or would you like to help me next time? You know, it's, it's thinking about that incremental approach again isn't it yeah actually I've heard of a few students sort of setting up craft evenings so mm-hmm. deciding okay we're gonna perhaps one of them knows how to knit so they've had a I was quite surprised kind of going back to things that <laughs> I haven't done for years but yeah sort of knitting and an art evening just buying some canvases and just messing around glass of wine whilst painting and having a chat quite a nice way to to connect with people yeah great yeah. some lovely ideas there Okay, generally talking about well-being and and challenges that you see students facing, is there anything else that sort of springs to mind that you would want to bring up now? Um, I think we've touched on on some of the kind of key things in terms of um, like anxiety around academic pressures, that kind of sense of isolation and and how to kind of like find your people, um, that kind of sense of low motivation. Those are kind of like really key things that we see quite often. Mm. But I guess the only other thing perhaps that that might be worth exploring a little bit is those kind of periods. I mean, we're in the perfect podcast for it. Those periods of transition, um, <laughs> and, you know, kind of coming coming up in and out of holidays, certainly especially coming out of the going into the summer and and then going into progressing into the second year which can feel quite different socially emotionally academically so yeah it's it's a really good idea for students to kind of like have that kind of forward thought and plan ahead for those times I know you know university life can feel a bit like you're in a tumble dryer and you're kind of going from one thing to the next and understandably so like when Amy was describing you know the the academic work and and how you kind of have to prioritize that and that it's not it's almost never ending you know you can't kind of achieve everything all at once but thinking ahead um, can be really useful to kind of making sure that you're you're not then blindsided by the next thing that, that's coming along. Mm-hmm. So as, as students I know this is a long way off perhaps but as they're sort of coming towards the end of the first year what should they be beginning to think about and plan for in terms of the second year? I think honestly the most important thing that students can do over the summer is have a break there's no need to be doing any studying over the summer unless you've got you know resets or reassessments and things like that of course but otherwise just have a break just take some time off because you know you're going to have enough to do when you come back so it's all right to just that that's why the break is there so that everybody students colleagues can 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 get some rest so that would be my main piece of advice I guess one of the things that students are planning for about year two and year one and year 
two year three and year two is accommodation and that whole kind of panic which seems such an early panic to me as an outside observer you know in October November having barely met and made friends you're suddenly trying to find a the decent house b at the reasonable price c with hopefully the right people do you see that frenzy yourselves at, at, at your uni and do you have any advice or broadly about how students should manage it and also particularly I guess if students listening now and they're in term two and they didn't find their house in term one is it something to really panic about or is it yeah, all going to sort itself out in the end yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's definitely something that's on on students' minds, and um, depending on where you are in the country, you know, student accommodation can be really at a premium. So, understandably, um, it's a source of stress. We did kind of talk about this amongst ourselves when we were preparing for today, um, and my gut reaction was, oh, you know, kind of think about it early and and plan early and think ahead. But Laura rightfully pointed out that actually that can go against kind of common advice about accommodation in that you are just meeting people for the first time, you don't know people very well yet, and um, accommodation often can come with complexities like putting down deposits and signing contracts and things. So the, the common advice around accommodation is perhaps don't do it too soon and because those those friendships and so on um, might not be what you think they are to start off with. They might not end up being the people that you want to kind of live with. So, yeah, we'd, we'd kind of say, you know, perhaps the general advice is not to rush in. But I think the most important thing to say about anybody who's got concerns around accommodation issues um, is to speak to those experts, the people at your university who are doing this day in, day out. Every university will have an accommodation office um, and they will have a kind of student facing kind of group of staff who will be able to kind of talk through any issues around accommodation. It's a common misconception that university accommodation offices will only talk to students about halls of residence, but that's not the case. Um, They can offer some general advice around finding independent private living accommodation for second and third years, um, how to navigate contracts, what to look for when you're going to viewings, those kinds of things. But I think our kind of main advice around that would be to speak to the experts and um, yeah, get your advice from from the right people with that, speak to those accommodation offices. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, anything else to add anyone on accommodation there? Nope. Okay, so final question then, and that's about... So financial challenges, because I'm kind of aware that given the cost of living crisis and the rise of prices and you know, it's becoming more and more difficult to, to, to exist and, and to make ends meet on students' incomes. What other challenges? Are you getting that sense at your university at the moment that students are struggling financially? What do you see some of them doing to help and are there, can you point to just generally point people in the direction of, of help, sources of help? I know you can't give specific advice, but I think what, what what we're seeing in the faculty is that students are having to prioritise paid work more and more, just so that they can live. And I think the message there is that we do understand that. Um, and if you're struggling to balance all of those those different priorities, then as always, speak to somebody. 
it, it really doesn't matter who you approach, whether it's your tutor, whether it's a wellbeing service or, or or who it is, somebody you feel comfortable talking to. If they can't help, they'll direct you to, to somebody who can, particularly around, you know, maintaining that, that balance between studies and work. In terms of who can advise, I mean, our university has a dedicated money advice team. Um, we also have um, funds available to support students uh, who are in hardship. So help is out there. Um, I'd be very surprised if um, most, if not all, universities have don't have something similar. Uh, so ask, ask for support. There's no shame in it. Um, everybody understands the current situation. Um, we're all in the same boat. So yeah, reach out and help will be available. Anything to add? I think um, from our perspective, the university are really recognising that this is a difficult time for students financially and are trying where possible to make things more financially accessible. So 99% of our events programme is free to access. There are free sports classes happening in residences. There is a lot of things out there and every university is working really hard to make things accessible financially. Um, so when we talk about kind of events and building community and getting to know people, there will be kind of options that that are free because this is definitely something that, that universities kind of have on their, their mind. It may mean that it takes a little bit more looking for, but there are definitely kind of opportunities, especially at our university, to access things for free and where you can't access things for free it's worth asking if there is any way that a ticket price could be concessioned or whether there is some other way of kind of getting around that I think it comes back to that kind of asking asking for help and starting the conversation there is a lot of support but that initial conversation needs needs to happen for that support to be put in place Great. Kerry? Just thinking about finances, I, I guess the other thing that springs to mind in terms of um, some of the issues that we see coming up with students is perhaps students living with peers or having friendship groups with peers who are in different socioeconomic circumstances to themselves. And there being a bit of a sense of um, feeling that pressure to keep up. And, and that can cause some tension with friendship groups. So I think probably what I'd say in response to that is to not to silo your friendships, um, to make sure that you've got a selection of friendship groups in different areas so that you're not attached to one clique, that you've got, you know, friends um, that are your course mates, friends that are your housemates, friends that are your in your crochet group and friends that you go to the cinema with and friends that you go to the gym with and and kind of making sure that you've got different pockets of friendship groups so that you're not left in that position of feeling pressured when somebody says, oh, do you want to come on this really expensive night out? And you're looking at your bank balance thinking, oh, you don't want to feel like you're missing out. You don't want to be in a position where, you know, you're having to spend money that you don't have in order to kind of like keep up those social connections. So I'd say kind of like spread your resources <laughs> when it comes to kind of social connections. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good, good, good piece of advice. Okay, so is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wanted to cover, share? I don't think no. so. No. Okay. Well, thank you. That has been yeah, really, really 
insightful and lots of very helpful information there. I think one of the key takeaways I, I take from this is to go and find someone and ask for the help that you need if you need it. It sounds to me, I mean, you've got three examples here of people who are there providing that support and help and obviously doing that very, very, very well. So there are plenty of resources at many, many universities, people waiting and willing to support you. So as a student, do reach out. I think that's a really good takeaway from today, but lots of good advice and tips within this conversation. But thank you all very much for your time today. Really appreciate your your input. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. A huge thank you to Kerry, Laura and Amy for sharing such great insights and advice. If this conversation has prompted you to want to think more deeply about some of the issues we've discussed, you may like to review some of the past episodes here on the Successful Student Transitions podcast. Some episodes of interest may be The Value and Strategies for Building Community, episode 30, Creating Healthy Relationships, and Handling Relationship Challenges, Episode 9, 28 and 29. Organisation Matters, Episode 34. Procrastination and How to Handle It, Episode 7. Why It Helps to Ask, Episode 6. And Nurturing Self-Compassion, Episode 5. And there are many other great episodes, but these are perhaps a good place to start. So thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon with another guest episode. Meanwhile, take care. Bye-bye for now. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is for information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. Use of the information on this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk.